0: Hey yo, we' about to tear it up. break it down. This right here is how we do it. it down.
1: It's the Breaking Actions podcast we break things down to the very last compound. My name is Simmit, aka the Potty Mouth of the South, and my name is Chris, aka the Actual Factual. Yes, UK to Miami, we are on this. We are on this. We are here. I'm very excited about this episode, as I as as I am about all the episodes, but this one in particular. Um, this has been months in the making, um, and someone that we thoroughly respect, someone who's got so much history in the game, uh, and I'm just the resume is mad. It's mad. yeah, and I'm just happy that he took the time out. You know, this is a Justo winner, bro. Like this is he he he's been in the game for a long time, and a lot of cultural currency. Yes, and for him to. Give him his time and give us the insights into to Miami and, and the different sounds, um, to working on his uh, on his album. Um, I mean, he had Buck, yo, bro, he had Buckwild, Wild, Primo. Like,
0: come Dude, on, bro. Dude, I, I, um, I remember seeing, like, a, I think it was on redefinitionrecords.com. Right. And I saw DJ EFN another time and I'm like, okay, cool. When I read the checklist, bruv, I said, I said, you what? But it made sense just because I feel like I have a, a good understanding of who he is and what makes him tick from yes. the actual podcast. So no, he's yes. um it means a lot that he took the time to speak to us simply because I know that drink champs, Nori and EFN are people that you know we look to for for guidance and example on how to do things. So um no, big up big up leadership. to leadership.
1: It's a leadership it, man, team.
0: big up to big up to EFN. He looks exactly how he looks you know, In the pictures on the podcast, beard game was crazy, immaculate, bruv. Did you see his, his beard, beard game?
1: Bruv? game is, I thought my beard,
0: nah, bruv. You need to sort out your beard, bro. I thought my beard was cool, but his beard is you need to sort out your beard, bruv. You don't see how EFN came on the show and you're coming on here looking all dusty, bruv. Listen,
1: I I, I need to sort out my life, forget my beard. I need to sort out my whole entire life. Your beard needs a shape up, look at it, <laughs> look at it, bruv. Yeah, I, I do, I do, I do need a shape up. I ain't gonna lie, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie, I do need a shape up, but. The episode is about my beard um it's about efn it's a great episode uh you'll learn a lot about him what drives him and also miami too um and uh, i love the tidbit about uh the primo rick ross story that's a that's a nice tidbit there i did not know that so this is dj efn breaking atoms podcast check it out It's another special episode of the Breaking Atoms podcast. Today, we're taking it all the way back to Miami, UK to Miami with someone with history in the game. We're talking about someone who's the king of mixtapes in Miami. Justo Awards from crazy hood to drink champs to smoke champs to fatherhood. We are talking to none other than DJ EFN.
2: My brother, how are you doing? What's good, man? Thank you for having me, guys. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you.
1: This is this is cool, man. This is like this is weird, bro. We see you on YouTube all the time, like killing yeah. it. And now you're on us. This is weird. Now you're like a celeb to us now, bro. But we this, come
2: on, make some noise. Come on,
1: And I'm just gonna I'm a, I'm gonna keep it real. Like I think I, I think the first thing I want to say and salute you on is first is the the mixtapes being on on streaming services. So salute because I think people need to. We talk about this a lot on the podcast about if it's not on the timeline, or people not talking about it on the timeline, people forget. But people actually right. forget about your history in the game with, you know, the Mixtape Awards, Just Awards. You know, I, I remember you putting out um, a flyer of OC coming to Miami. We talked to him about that when we had him on the show about six months oh, ago.
2: Dope, dope. And it's
1: really crazy that you put that up because I was like, yo, that was the show that OC was about With Juggernauts that Khaled got him, that Khaled booked him out for. So yeah, yeah, your, temple, your yeah. history in the game is unparalleled we appreciate you you're a legend og and i want people to understand that so salute to you brother
2: uh thank you man i appreciate that all
1: right let's start let's start with the the diversity of the miami sound let's start there because there's a lot of eclectic sounds a lot of collective going on yeah there's a lot going on talk to us about the diversity of the sound because from from where i am i've never been in miami so i have no idea i've been three times in three years and some of the stuff that i did in
0: miami I cannot speak about. My mother doesn't even know it was some of the best times
1: of my life. Go ahead.
2: (laughs) Um, Miami, I mean, I think the easiest way to describe the diversity and and like the, the foundation of our diversity is that it's Caribbean based. But, you know, the Caribbean is a lot. It's a lot of different islands. It's a lot going on and not just islands. It's the coastlines of of central and South America as well that make up kind of the Caribbean as well. Um, and all of that is to me, what's the foundation of everything Miami. And, and, you know, you have in there, you have, you know, French Haitian, you have, you know, you have, you have all the different Latino diversity cultures, diverse cultures and Latinos where we have Dominican, Cuban and Puerto Rican and, you know, you have uh, just just so much there, just that on the Bahamian, you know, uh, Barbados, you, you Trinidad, you can keep going Jamaica. So all of that to me is what makes up the foundation of, of Miami Sound. But then Miami is such a transient city that it's constantly changing in its demographic um, because of whatever's going on uh, in the world. And so we've had an influx of Russians and we've had an influx of Venezuelans and we've had you know, just all kinds of people have come through Miami and added to that, to that, you know, just pot full of all kinds of things, you know what i So it's, it's melting. Yeah, yeah, melting pot, exactly. So, but I would just say that hands down the Caribbean is, is the, is one of the biggest influences for us out okay. here.
1: Okay. Now growing up as a, as a hip hop, so, you know, we look at it like, okay, Bronx, New York, hip hop, New York hip hop was on, on fire for for a number of years and we, we come from different territories, right? So UK, London, Miami, growing up as a, as a hip hop head in, in, in Miami, where, what places were there or what mediums did you have to consume rap and, and where did you go to, I guess, your fellow hip hop heads to congregate, to, to experience this music?
2: Um, well, it's in different stages. And, I, and obviously I can only speak from my perspective. I'm sure there's different people of different ages that have different you know, perspectives and experiences. From my perspective, as a young kid being a skater, I was, I was, a lot of my hip hop was coming from fellow skaters at the time. A lot of my education about hip hop was coming from fellow skaters. Those same skaters were graffiti artists as well, you know, and we were all like b-boys and doing all kinds of stuff and gang banging as well. So, um, and it's funny because the skaters were doing everything. They were a part of everything. Um, but fast forward when I'm really like die hard, like wanting to like really support the local hip hop scene and be, be involved in it. Uh, and I'm looking around, like, how can I, you know, what is there to do as a hip hop head out here? There wasn't much, but Zulu nation had a little foothold out here in an area called Winwood, which now is our art district. But back then it was not the art district. And this was the hood basically, you know, it was, it was like a pocket of Puerto Ricans and surrounded by black neighborhood and Zulu Nation was in there. And they used to do these jams, these, these park jams. And we used to go out to those a lot. And so, like all, all the hip hop hits from around the city would go to, to that. Or, you know, or every once in a while, someone would throw a hip-hop party or or they would rent a warehouse um, and they would go to that. And it's almost like a few thousand hip-hop heads that kind of, if you didn't know each other personally, you knew who who each other was by by sight. And outside of that world, going back to what I said about the Caribbean, the reggae jams, the dance hall parties was the only other place that you, they would do a hip hop set at. So hip hop heads that maybe weren't originally dance hall fans became, you know, completely dance hall heads because they would go to these parties. And I was one of those guys. And, you know, as a DJ, I ended up becoming like fluent in DJing, you know, dance hall. So so that was another place where we would go in and experience hip hop as well. Okay, so sticking with your past, I've been doing my research and uh, I read up on
0: uh, CHP marketing and promotions, uh, a key part of your history. Mm-hmm. What, what are some of the, uh, the marketing campaigns and the clients that you worked with that stick out for you? Which one were your favorites or had you know the biggest impact on your life or in, in, in Miami in general?
2: Def Jam was one of the biggest ones that I ended up acquiring. I mean, you know, who, did, who as a hip hop head didn't want to like, deal with Def Jam at some level, you know? So, so when I got the Def Jam account, that's, that was crazy. And it was passed down to me by another legendary, uh, street team promoter guy in Miami, um, who passed away. So Dr. Fresh, rest in peace of Dr. Fresh. So that was dope. It wasn't like I took the account from someone. It was handed down to me. Um, so that was one. And I, at that time was a big rum drinker. So I had Bacardi as a client at one point, I had uh, Echo Clothing was huge you know in the in the in the mid to late 90s and they were a a great client. Uh they were amazing to work with. And those are like the most memorable, but I at one point worked for every record label. I had almost every account at one point and then I started working with movies and and you know different kinds of products and different things that that wanted to kind of get that grassroots hip hop marketing. They needed that and we were So you were almost like
0: if if we want to make some money in Miami, get the word out down here, we have to go through EFN in some ways. We need his input, his consultancy.
2: We, we were definitely, yeah, one of, of very few companies and, and crews that were providing that, yeah. yeah dope, dope. Sumit. What were the transferable
1: lessons that you learned from marketing music that you've now been able to take into
2: Drink Champs, Smoke Champs, uh, Fatherhood? Well, what I liked about those experiences was I got to learn kind of like all sides of the business. And also it humbled me in a way where I was, you know, I I, I was out there passing out flyers. I would see people uh, turn down flyers for artists that later on, you know, became huge. And not just flyers, like turn down the music or, or I'll give you another example. I worked uh, for Bad Boy. That's another one I, sh- I should have mentioned. That was a big account when I got it. And when you worked for Bad Boy Records, you, you worked, you did the Sean John account, you did the Ciroc account. So I was one of the first people to deal with Ciroc um, when nobody knew Ciroc in the States because Ciroc was a brand already out, I believe, in France or Belgium. I'm I not sure. France, I think. Yeah. So um, I remember one of the things they had us do is, is go, they would send us cases of Ciroc and say, go give these to tastemakers, radio people or artists or whoever in town. I remember going, I couldn't give it away and, you know, and it was just like, just keep giving it, keep getting, of course, eventually people be like, it's free booze. They're going to take it. But I remember people like, oh, I don't want that. Like, I don't want that. And I'm like, yo, it's, it's bad. It's puffy. It's bad boy. Like they still didn't want it. And to see the evolution and, and, and the, and you know what we had to do and, and, you know, then, and to see the national campaign match what the street teams are doing on the ground level in every city. To see that evolution, it taught me a lesson about you know you just got to be very persistent and consistent, and you know I got to see how that all developed itself. Where you know you could never tell them well now no one wanted Siroc at one point like people like, get out of here everybody wants Ciroc no nobody wanted it I say it on drink chance sometimes where Nori didn't want Ciroc when I would try to give it to him <laughs> and now you imagine now look at that now he wants it all the time. Give me, yeah, that, yeah. Ciroc, give me that Sarok, give me that Sarok. It's say now. Actually, no, he's going
1: with the say too now. He has to and it's, 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 it's a it's it's connection. But yeah. yeah,
2: I mean those are all our friends and partners, so
0: everybody's on the I table. I actually Googled Tiger Bone a couple of weeks ago. And I'm just like, I'm like, oh, listen. Man. We get all kinds of oh, shit from this. Man, like what <laughs> just the description, I was like, I ain't touching that. I'm not Which What was the description that you got? Because there's different descriptions of Tiger Bone. It was some it was actually I'm actually gonna pull it up because I did it on I did it on Google. So let me let me pull it
1: up.
2: You, did your, did, you did, did your Googles? You did your Googles. Is that what you're saying, You did
0: your, Google. TFN. You did your Googles? <laughs> I did my Googles. Let me read the description. Tiger bone. All right. An alcoholic beverage originally produced in China using the bones of tigers as a necessary ingredient. The production process takes approc- approximately eight years and results in a high
2: alcohol concentration. I can't do it. All right. So I just want a disclaimer here. From what I know and from my research, the tiger bone that we have is not any, there's no tiger anything in it yeah
1: i, d- I thought it, it was it, it's not this it's like it's kind of like vegetarian herbal. it's not
2: like um it's no animal products no it's a it's well out here in the states um a lot of these like caribbean juice bars carry it and you take a shot of it it's like a male enhancement elixir is it like um mamawana yeah like a mamawana it's vegan juice shop so they're not gonna carry something that has an animal product okay in it. but I don't doubt that the original version, or even some people might still drink that in China, does come from Tiger, but not the one we have. I've, I mean, I've read the ingredients. I mean, obviously they might put something else in. I don't know. I hope that we're not drinking Tiger Bone, like real. It's just Tiger the description mom. is 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 crazy. But um, you know, I'll, I'll... it's a disgusting drink. <laughs> I hate it. I'm and glad and that you're we a st- drink connoisseur. You're a drink connoisseur, my friend, you know? Yeah. Nori brought that to the table. And I was like, oh man. And you know, it's funny because I just, it, what is, what's dope about it seeing the faces of our guests, you know, like, oh my God, what is this? And it really is. It's nasty. I say, it's like finding like a, like a sour soy sauce packet in the back of a, you know, like a refrigerator tucked under like your grandma's dirty under, <laughs> just like, it has such a horrible flavor that I can't even begin to describe it all. That
0: is crazy. That's, that's crazy. EFN, you know what I, um, in terms of the, the drink champ show, my affinity to you, you're the guy that you're, you're, I'm called the actual factual on this show. Cause I love liner notes, dates, details. You're that guy for me on drink right. champs. And you make me feel like I'm not so crazy. When I um I listen to your album another time because premiere Buckwild I'm like okay this is this is the album for the heads any memorable memories All from right. from the recording sessions for that particular album because you called it a passion project and the way it was put together
2: suggests you took it very seriously oh no no I mean anything that I call a passion project is very serious to me um that project was a, was a dream come true to make and I think that any any DJ and more specifically any mixtape DJ, they want to put together a real like studio type album with all original music that they put together. And I got to shout out my boy, uh, KGB from, from fatherhoods. He's a co-host on fatherhoods as well. He was a big part of that project with me. And it, we did, a, I have a board actually outside my office here where we basically envisioned the track listing, um, based on the, I picked out the beats first. And then I named the the songs, and then I put like fictitious, like featuring so who I would want on this. And we came, I would say 85% to that original track listing. And this is before I hit anybody up or anything like that. And and that just that album to me represents just a, a testament of, of um like my legacy in terms of like. Just my the relationships I built in the industry. Uh, because I wouldn't have been able to do that album if it was like something I was coming out of pocket, like a record label. I'm really going, you know, hard and I'm gonna pay for all these fees. That would never have happened. It would have been way too too expensive. Uh it was really all relationship built, and, and it was just amazing, man. And to get Premier on there, like that was, and this is the special thing about that song. So we got Premiere on there, and years before that, on my mixtape series my street mixtape, Guru had hosted it, a a mixtape of mine. And Guru was in Miami a lot, so we were cool. He was coming by my studio all the time, hanging out, rest in peace to Guru. And so he did these, you know, he hosted a whole mixtape, so a bunch of drops. And when I got with Premiere for the album, I very humbly was like, yo, would you take some of these drops and create the hook? Like, you know, cut cut these drops up and make a hook? Because for me, this is the closest thing I'll get to having a gangstar feature. And I didn't think he was going to go for it. And he did. He was like, oh, no, nah, I, I got you. This is dope. And then we got Guru's family to clear it. They cleared it. So that that song is very special to me just on that part of it. And just the whole album, man, I, you know, it was, it was a pleasure doing that album. And I hope I can do another one. But it really it was a passion project that. That I was just, I was in the right time and place in terms of mental state to, and to apply myself to do that project. And we did it in a year, which I thought was yeah, pretty it's amazing. A, it's a
0: dope project. I love, I love producer compilation type albums like Soul Survivor. Yeah. You know, I think, I think we need more of those because they feel like a celebration, a celebration yeah, I, in hip hop. Just, just before I pass over to Summit though, you said you got like 85% of the track list that
2: you wanted. Can you remember what you didn't manage to get? And are you still going to work on it? I have to look over. I mean, it's like nice distance, but I have terrible eyesight. Um, I could tell you, like, I wanted Cypress Hill on there. Um, Who else, man? I want, oh, Ross was supposed to be originally on that premiere record, Rick Ross. Wow. And ev- eventually he got a song with, premiere yeah. and him got a, had a song. There. But that, actually that beat premiere made it because I told him I'm going to get Ross because I knew Ross. I know Ross. I was like, I'm gonna get Ross on it. So he actually made that beat for Ross in mine. And then it did. And then it didn't happen with Ross for
1: whatever reason. And, that, and that's was crazy because yeah. Primo is notorious, notoriously used to be anyway, slow <laughs> right. with making beats for specific people because he has his process. So it's interesting right. that he would make something for Ross. Gang, he trusted you. Yeah, get it. and and then Ross didn't take it. That's crazy. Damn, I, yeah. I'll echo the point that Chris made about producer albums because producers, because of the way in which they pro, uh, the process behind an album can also make great A and R's, and so they piece an album and sequence an album incredibly so i kind of i kind of echo that i just want to take it left slightly and speak about mm-hmm. the fatherhood podcast and the genesis of it you seem to be you know you you do incredible well, drink champs smoke champs and they got fathered I'm, I'm guessing because you have you know two children yourselves and i i am a father as well what was the genesis what was the what was the point they went i'm going to do a, a podcast in this and speak to other fathers in the game
2: well, first, I'm always looking for different ways to pivot in in, in what I'm doing and, and stay relatable in in my like origins of, of, of what I do and my brand and crazyhood and EFN. So my friend KGB, which I mentioned, Kether, he was a part of the album. He, ha- he had a child and I was always talking to him when I was about to have my kid about like, you know, just advice. And then my other homie, who's the co-host, the, the third co-host, Manny, Manny Digital, he, had, he has uh, three or four kids three kids and so i was talking to them constantly and i was like you know what maybe this is something that should be publicly discussed because we're all like hip-hop heads and you know i don't feel like there's a lot of content for hip-hop like you know like fathers that, that consider themselves hip-hop heads talking about you know openly about parenting yes and and i and also uh men in hip-hop get like there's just like a misconception that we're like deadbeat fathers when that's never been the truth, you know, I've never, I, I can't tell you that I've ever known a deadbeat father. That's a, that's a, that's an MC or a DJ or a hip hop head of any kind. Like I don't know many of those people if I F at all. So I was like, let's, let's, let's do something that's real positive and, and, you know, and let's have fun with it. But at the same token, you know, we're going to kind of like be therapeutic to each other. And then, and, and then hopefully we can help other, you know, parents or parents to be, who are like-minded like us and are in our hip-hop heads as well, and have hip-hop guests talking about their parenting style and the, and the history of, of parenting. And a lot of us come from, you know, it sucks that this is like, I don't know if it's the stereotype, but but it's kind of true. I was come from broken homes hmm. for whatever reason, maybe it's because of the crack era that we, you know, that's the, the era that birthed us. And, and, and so whatever happened in that era, but, you know, I didn't grow up with my father and a lot of our guests didn't grow up with their fathers or had broken homes. So I feel like we all kind of like help each other out so that we are better parents than than the, our parents were for us.
1: No, I, I, I think that's an interesting point. I think it's, it's it's good to unpack that. We need more voices in that space to either dispel or go against any any sort of stereotype. But also, like you said, just put a fresh voice and a specific and, and talking about a specific area, because I only know of maybe one other podcast that do something similar, not in the same way, but talk to fathers. And I think it's important that we do that because we just need to amplify
2: more voices as possible in order to push that medium further. And I think that's that's yeah, there, there's a few there's a few people doing it now. And to me, it's like the more the merrier, yes. like we just need more of these positive voices and positive reinforcement. And and this is hip hop is global and hip hop has, has permeated everything. So we should be in every space. You're talking about everything. Agreed,
1: agreed. Um, so you've, you've got a couple of co-hosts for, for the Father's Podcast. Let's swing it back to Drink Champs and the, the contrast with you and Nori. When did your relationship first begin with Nori? Uh,
2: I had a store called Crazy Goods in 1997. Um, I'm going to try to give you a short sure. version of a long story, sure. but I'm going to give you the beginning. So Nori was on tour doing the promo run for the CNN album. Capone was locked up right my homie was the promoter or working with the venue that Nori was supposed to go I don't even know if he was going to perform or just do like a walkthrough but he was he was on the promo run and in those days in the mid to late 90s you still had to go and do in stores it wasn't like internet promotion so I had a store I had one of the few hip-hop stores in Miami at the time so it was either record label or like a hip-hop store so they came by my store and I had this digital four track, which I have actually right in front of me over here, the same one that I used to get freestyles from. And that was something that I was kind of known for. I would take this digital four track everywhere and plop it on people. Had beats in there, and they were like, "Oh shit, this guy is prepared." So, <laughs> I Nori comes through, and and we meet, and I have him do freestyles. And I already knew who he was, you know. I had already been supporting Capone Noriega on my mixtapes, and we just hit it off. I, I can't tell you. Why we hit it off, I don't know if it's that we share Latino culture. I can't tell you. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily the reason why, but we hit it off. I think Nori was also strategic in the way he was building relationships in every city. Like, it's smart for an artist to take a DJ that he feels is influential in a market, put him under his wing, and make him feel like he's family. I think that's what he was doing. And so we championed each other from that point on. And I was the first, I I brought him for his from for his first solo show in Miami, the N O R E album. I brought him down to do that. My crew, Crazy Hood. Wow. We we had we did that show. Then when Capone got out of prison, they hired me to put together the show, the first show that CNN would do together, the Capone Home Show, in Miami during a, a music conference. I did that for them. And then eventually Nori moved to Miami, and that's where the beginnings of of drink champs. And I mean, if we can get into that as well, but that's, that's how we met. And that's how he got, you know, to Miami and that's how our relationship developed. Yeah.
1: So how did you start to develop drink champs as a, was it just over you drinking some tiger bone or how did that, (laughs) how did that
2: come? How did that come through? So, so now he's in Miami. It's after his reggaeton album. Um, He knew I was never a big fan of reggaeton. And so he, when he moved to Miami post reggaeton, He's like, yo, bring me back to hip hop. First thing we did was ha- I had him do a joint over where we looped the D nice beat. Right. My name is D nice. I'm like, we're going to bring you back to hip hop and that shit, you know, that, that shit kind of buzzed at the time. So he's working in my, st- he, he moved close to my studio. He, I had an engineer, Hazardous Sounds was now their engineer at drink champ. He was working already with me and, and my artist. And I said, Haz, I need you to work with Nori and Nori was coming in almost every day to my studio. He was there more than me. And in the studio, you know, you're drinking, he's smoking. We would we, we we gamble in there. We're playing poker. We're talking. It was my studio at the time. I was single. It was wild. It was a wild place to be. Drink champs before drink champs. Yeah, we were definitely drink champs. And I was like the drinker. I was a big rum drinker. And Nori was, you know, he would smoke more, more than anything else. But, you know, he would indulge in drinking with me as well. And then so out of those sessions or out of that time period, my crew, we would say, yo, if you can handle your liquor, you're not a drink champ. So now I'm going to go into two things that are like parallel to each other, the name and actually doing a podcast. Cause they're, they don't intersect till years later. So my crew, we would be like, yo, you're not a drink champ. And I love the way that that rung, we would say it all the time, you know, cause we are just such drinkers. Ah, you can't handle, it. you're not a drink champ. And then Nori would hear that. And then he ended up doing a track with Alchemist called drink champ from hearing that in the studio so much. And he says at the end of the track, like, you can't hang with EFM, boom, boom, whatever, whatever. So I love the way that that name rung that I said, I wonder if anybody owns the dot-com to this. And I grabbed the dot-com. This is like way years before I even knew that it would be any podcast. I just thought it was a dope name. So no, I got Drink Champ and Drink Champs, plural. Got both. Then I got the Instagram. Then I got the Twitter. I was like, nobody has this. This is insane. This could be an apparel line. I could open a bar called Drink Champs. I could do Whatever, and so that happened. Right at the same time, we get approached by a homie uh, Leo G, who was at XM Satellite Radio before the merger was serious, and he, he offered uh, Leo G offered us our own show, a weekly show, on XM. Nori was like Nori and I were like, yeah, cool, let's do it. So we do this show called Militainment Crazy Raw Radio. Nori named that show. Sounds like a Nori thing. <laughs> he wanted to put all that, our names. That in. sounds like a Nori named that. Yeah. Oh my God, that's yeah. hilarious. He wanted to throw all of the names on the, in, the, in the name. Sound <laughs> like whatever. And so we did that show out of my studio and there was Tiger Bone, there was Liquor, uh, there was our friends were there and we would introduce the same way, Nori EFN, make some noise. All of that was the same. And there's a couple clips on YouTube of that. We were on XM, then we were on Sirius XM after the merger. We were on 66 Raw Channel, then we were on Backspin, and we were on uh, Hip Hop Nation. Those are the three different channels. And that was for like two or three years. We didn't get a dime. We did it for fun. Every, every week we, we submitted that. And we were like one of the few shows that was like not in studio submitting it um, to them. So we did that, and then we stopped because Nori went on tour with Pone. Went to europe to do a, a run in europe of a new album they put out i started managing a group called mayday which is this plaque is from mayday signed to they signed a tech nine there's a song with kendrick that they did um and we went on tech tour is crazy so we we were heavy touring with with uh with tech nine so i got busy we both couldn't do the show no more and then i'm hearing the rumblings of well i'm, I'm wanting to do something like it again so i have a homie locally called uh his name is godfrey he had a a podcast called gamertag radio and he was like yo he was always advocating about podcasting early days yo you should podcast you should podcast but you know i thought it was a good idea and i thought it was an easy way to do what we were doing before without you know the constraints of having to submit it by a certain time or do it for a certain amount of time blah blah blah, whatever whatever. so i bring it to nori he didn't understand he didn't know what a podcast was he didn't get it nobody in hip-hop at the time really understood what, what podcast where they thought it was like some nerdy thing. If they knew what it was, it was like, Oh, that's what nerds do on the internet. Nah, we too thugged out for that shit. attainment. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right, Living the, right. the brand.
0: Living right. the brand.
2: Yeah. So, so trying to fast forward some years past, uh, I convinced Nori one day he's with it. One day he's not, it, it's, he's like back and forth forever. Finally he does, um, Oh, what's my homie's name that he did his podcast. Damn it, man. I can't think of his name right now. He did a homies podcast um, that was pretty popular at the time. And the dude was like a street dude and he saw himself in that podcaster. He's like, Oh man, this guy, you know, I could see myself doing this now. Are you talking about tax Yes. Tax you know, shout out to tax So he did tax He came back. He's like, yo, E, am ready. I, I, I get it now. I get it more than ever. Uh, let's do it. And you know we, we we got with uh fat joe we got with kenny anderson first but that didn't come out till a little bit later and then we got with fat joe the next day to do a, to do it an episode and that one was the first one we released and we did those in my old office that was in downtown miami and we got with cbs radio and the rest is his you know man. what it's crazy man like
0: just 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 watching you and nori there it's um i love the contrast between you both and it's similar with me and summit um you just see you've just got this chemistry. It's really intangible, and it's infectious. And you know, I know <laughs> people say Nori cuts people off and yada yada yada. But I really drink champs is almost like I'm in the barbershop. Yeah, that's yeah. That's it's that's got good that point. energy. Like I would love yeah, to, that, I'd that, love that, to be around that table one day, just talking to you guys.
2: Yeah, I get irritated when people get mad at the cutting. I mean, I get it that you want to hear what the guest might have been saying. I understand sometimes. I, yo, know, Nori, stop! But these conversations were meant to be as organic as possible. And they were meant to kind of like give you the same conversations that are happening in the studio while guys are drinking or in the barbershop. Like you said, it's the same type of conversation. When you're talking with your homies and you're having drinks and you're having spirited conversations, you're not saying, you know, like, Oh, let me, you know, like you're cutting each other off. You're being rude with each other. You're stopping and saying, Hey, pass me the blunt. That's the conversation. But in that, in that you get some golden nuggets, and you also get to see people really act human because you are seeing the guy get cut off, like, whoa, you like like it's 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 very human yeah, interaction.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're right. And you know, I, I listen to it and I understand that okay, it's the barbershop in podcast form, so I get it. But I can imagine for some people who may not know that kind of world, who you know never been to a barbershop, is like, oh man, he's cutting someone off. But no, it's 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 the nature of how we how we talk because I cut people off all the time. We're gonna wrap up right. soon though. I just wanna I know you had Pharrell on, and it felt like that was the culmination of many years. Talking to talking about Pharrell, his contributions to Nori's career. Who's who's the bucket list interview for EFN? Like, who's that person you really want to talk to on Drink Champs?
2: Um I really want to have Kendrick on, and we almost did a few years ago. Uh I really think having Kanye would be a crazy episode. Um Drake. Would be a dope episode. And he's, and he's, he's shown that he wants to come to the show and, and really and truly, man, I want to have more of the pioneers, more of the architects of the culture so they can, you know, tell us their wild stories of the, of the beginnings of all this, of this culture that we're all able to thrive off and live off of. Cause if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. So I mean I I really want some of those older guys like the cool Hercs and the and the Grandmaster Flashes and and the and the Kazes and all those guys, man. And so so yeah. yeah those no, guys. I you know if you can get cool Herc, just knowing how
0: you feel about the details in hip hop, I would definitely tune in. Last question, EFN, coming home series and hip hop in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Give me one example or tell me about the the first time you went to Cuba and you said okay hip-hop has made an, an impact here in the lives of the people? What what did you see?
2: Um, I already knew that it had made an impact there. I had started to hear some music that was coming out of Cuba. Um, and and I was really, I was never interested in Spanish language hip-hop, right? And then I heard, and this is me being biased, being Cuban. I heard a Cuban group and I was like, hold up, man, they sound ill. Because what I had heard up to that point was a very just like generic sounding rap in Spanish that had like very monotone style, didn't not much of a flow, you know? So I heard these guys called orishas and they had an amazing flow. And I, I was like, and they were saying things that that was cool in the States. Like they would throw in little English words or, or little things that they were translating into Spanish. And I was like, Oh man, these guys, they get it. So I knew it was happening. And so when I went out there, I already knew and I linked with some of these heads and man, I was blown away by, by how they articulated um, like the scene, uh, our scene, like they understood what was going on in the States versus what was going on there. They, 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 their idea of hip hop matched my idea of hip hop. So I was, you know, I was happy to, to, that, that, that was in unison. And, and then it just exposed me to what I wanted to learn more of, which was what's the rest of the world. Like what's the rest of hip hop culture around the world, which spawned the series which we're about to, well, we're finishing our sixth film, which was in South Africa. Okay, dope, dope. And
0: I want want to big you up just because I think sometimes growing up in the the UK, we're, we're so influenced by US hip hop coming up, but it's only like, you know, I say in the last decade, I've really just become so enamored by how different regions and countries interpret the culture. And one of the first things I do when I go abroad is like, okay, What's the music scene saying? And it doesn't just have to be hip hop because it's like, right. it's such a, it's a window to culture. And um, even when I went to Cuba, I'm looking at how they're dressing and, you know, they, I tell them that I'm an MC and I rap for them. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, it's this, it's a beautiful thing. Summit, do you have any questions before we wrap up?
1: No, just on, just on, just to piggyback off that, I'm obviously um Asian descent, Indian descent and seeing how, to that point, about how hip-hop is influencing different territories. And you can see what stage they're at in their journey, mm-hmm. right? So uh, a few weeks ago, we had someone uh, called Big Hass on our show who's from Saudi Arabia and uh, has a show radio show there uh, and in Dubai. And you can hear the conversations he's having about hip-hop and you can go, that was us 15 years ago. And they're, they're on their mm-hmm. journey. It's really crazy to see from an outsider to go, the maturity of the culture and the maturity of the music and how it's then impacting and some territories are going faster some territories on their right. way but it's just it's it's heartwarming to understand that there is a religion of some sort of hip-hop that is permeating throughout the world and impacting people in crazy places in war-torn countries and this is like for a lot of us it's the, it's, uh, the voice of the voiceless right this is the beautiful thing about what right. we do and why we're so blessed to be in it so what what's happening in Cuba and other places in the world, it's 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 heartwarming to see, but it's a great thing for us to be able to witness that. Because I don't know if the if the forefathers, you know, you know, Grandmaster Kaz and Furious Five and and Curtis Blow would have ever thought that when they started in this in this genre or started the genre, Sugar Hill Gang, would that would that have happened, right? And that's the beautiful thing. Right,
2: right. Yeah, and it's and it's just such a common language that kind of unifies us. Um, globally, and I just think we don't take enough advantage of that unification, that's the potential there for all us to be unified, and that's what I love to do. And, and I always go with an open mind where it's like, they look at me like, oh, you're from the States, you're from the Mecca of hip-hop. I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to learn from you. You know, I come back reinvigorated, and I fall in love with hip-hop all over again when I travel because you're so jaded here by industry and by what's going on in the States and different things, you know, and rivalries, whatever, whatever. And so yeah, man, it's a beautiful thing, man. I love it. You've done, you've done, so
1: you've you've done remarkably in in the career. Because I look at like, I can imagine being growing up in Miami, being probably one of the few, you know, select few who loved hip hop, connected with it, but didn't have the same access as someone who lived in Queens, right? Right. And and being able to work with all the brands you work with and all the success through music, through the mixtapes, having. And and some of them are mixed cloud actually, which is quite cool even before streaming services. But it's all of that and being able to have that journey. And so like it's like it's like um, Primo always says, isn't it? Hip hip hop hip hop got me here. It's the thing. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the beautiful thing. So we appreciate you. We won't take up too much of your time it's a, it's a it's an honor for us to have you on the show bro like i'm gonna keep it honest with you no 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 thank you thank you for this having is, me this guys. is because because i feel like like chris said he is the actual factual you are the actual factual on on drink champs but more than anything you're like the glue that brings it all together and and i think that your energy that we see and that we're, now we're seeing for ourselves is that you care and that has to be amplified more than anything because we have too many of those kind, i'm gonna swear now because i'm putting them out to the south we have two of these fuck faces who try to colonize different areas. You're not about that. You're of the culture. You've paid your dues, but also you're helping people to come through. And that's important. So we have to salute you. And thank you for taking the time with us.
2: No, thank you, guys. I appreciate I appreciate the good words, man.
1: I always appreciate it. Now, you take care. We'll catch up soon. Um, thanks for checking out the Neil Levine podcast that we did. Um, oh, it was dope. That was dope. No, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, and also like, having... Mike Geronimo, that, that Mike came on our show about five months ago, and it was a bucket list thing for us because we grew up on Mike. And mm-hmm. uh, to see that episode was crazy. classic, classic, that, abs- undeniable. Those are the episodes that, that I live for on Dream. Chains. Okay, that that it was crazy. We were on we were on Clubhouse because um Nature has has a Clubhouse room, calls it ninety eight uh, with Nate, right? Um, and Mike was talking about that. He was saying that you guys you guys wanted him for a long time. And he wasn't so sure. And it was because he, was, he had trepidation on, like, do, do people want to hear my story? Like, what kind of questions are they asked? Do well, I want to really relive this sort of stuff? But he said, when I went and did it, he, he just felt like family. And it was that family feel that made me feel so comfortable. It didn't feel like an interview. It felt like I was talking to family. Those are his kind of words. And I think that's the unique thing that you guys bring to the, I guess, the podcast, but also the interview game because everyone does it right. has their own different thing right you guys have this family feel and i think you welcome us to your home to your drink champs home and we're you know thousands and thousands of miles away so yeah man, salute. make bro. some noise make Thank some you, noise guys. drink champs in the <laughs> building
2: hey, <ba-ba-ba-ba. laughs> appreciate you bro all good man peace guys y'all take it easy man be safe out there
1: salute to the legend once again I had fun, man. That was a good episode, even with my groceries uh, at the door, chucked them on the floor. I've got to go pick everything up, by the way. There's bottles, cabbages, cucumbers. What skills <laughs> told you to do, bro. Just look after your family. <laughs> Yo, Skills. Listen, let me tell you something, yeah? I love Skills, because he says it with such sincerity, and he's a good guy. He's a good guy, bro. He's a good guy. But no, listen, I, I had fun of the episode. I hope it was um, as informative... As it was for us, for you, the listener, um, there's, you know, please check out Fatherhood, the podcast. Please check out Drink Champs if you've been sleeping under a rock. Um, it's one of the best pieces of content that are out there right now, killing it. I mean, the Ferrer episode was insane. Mike Geronimo was insane. Uh, even Saigon. The Buster Rhymes one, bro. Buster Rhymes
0: one was heavy. And I don't mean heavy in, in the slang term, but some of the stuff that Buster was touching on... In terms of like learning how to control a room, poise, pacing, delivery, Buster Rhymes put on a masterclass on
1: Drink Champs. It was incredible classic episodes. It's really classic. good that we get to have that because um you know we all oftentimes berate the state of hip hop as a as a as a culture or even journalism um and great interviews and great stories but that you know Drink Champs what EFN nori do that's a testament to actually going no actually no we get some great stories from that and we get some great moments Um, and in the year that we've had it's good to have that kind of quality content shining through so we we salute we salute all the team over there. Um, but as always, you can follow us on social at Break the Atoms Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Chris's uh, socials are at I am Kinetic. Mines is at Hip Hop Chronicle. Fuck the socials because you know that's always saying that's my new thing now. Chatty house, chatty house. I don't care about clubhouse. <laughs> if you can't find some clubhouse, just yeah, get out of here. I don't care.
0: Um, no, you know what? To be real, to be mm. real, bro, I'm really at the point. I'm gonna start mirroring your energy man if you don't know where to find us by now that means we shouldn't be talking <laughs> no we,
1: should, we, we shouldn't, shouldn't we shouldn't we shouldn't take that step i just like swearing half the time i've got to live the brand you know i'm not I'm swearing in it the brand but i'm not swearing no i just i just i
0: just Sorry, put my mind in it no i'm joking i'm joking you can hit us hit us anywhere we're we there. are there you were never there
1: that's what i'm gonna that's oh is that another hove reference yeah maybe um but no thank you to all the listeners we appreciate you we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, peace. Peace.